Welcome to Acts of the Blood God, US Gamer's official RPG podcast. Cat Bailey is off this week, and I am your substitute teacher today, Mr. Ray Barnholt. You may know me from podcasts such as Retronauts and No More Whoppers and things of that nature, but uh, you know what? Enough about me. Cat is gone, but we still have Nadia Oxford. Hi, Nadia. Hi, I never go on vacation, except when I do. <laughs> but uh, I love the term you used. Uh... Substitute teacher. I mean, in Canada, we call them supply teachers, but the the yeah. implications are the same and that like we're all like being total in anarchy today. Well, yeah, Kat was very nice to reach out to me and ask if I wanted to do it. I don't know why exactly because... Because uh, <laughs> you're awesome. I, I guess so. I mean, I haven't really been in any sort of like... Um journalism thing. This is, this is actually the first time I've contributed to US Gamer would be this right here. <laughs> well, now <laughs> so, you're part of the hey, club. why not? Yeah, I mean, I do like RPGs, of course. It's not like I'm totally ignorant, so I, I guess I'm here for a good-ish reason. Yeah, there you go. That's the only barrier yeah. to entry. You gotta know, you gotta like RPGs. So we'll talk about some fun stuff uh, in, a, in a bit. I guess uh, we should just start with the thing that maybe will make my job easier is uh, anything new going on, Nadia? <laughs> <laughs> anything you're anything you're playing that might be relevant to uh, this to show? What do you got? <laughs> well, actually, um, I can't talk about it too much because I am playing Dragon Quest Builders Two, and it is under embargo. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. I mean, it will be out in a few days after this show goes live. Oh, so. you got a point. Yes, and yeah. uh, I will say it is absolutely huge. So hug your loved ones before you go in. Um, I personally adored the first game. And, uh, yeah, same. Oh, so yeah, if you like the first game, you shouldn't have a problem falling into this one. So there you go. It sounds a bit scary that you say huge, because like, I felt that the first one went a bit longer than I expected. Oh, really? Maybe that's just me, because of my personal taste, but it was just like, oh boy, another another, <laughs> another world to go through? Okay. And by then, it just felt a bit like going through the motions. But, uh, you know, I've, I've, I've seen other coverage of the Japanese version of Builders 2, at least, and it seems like things have been streamlined a bit. Yeah, certain things have been streamlined. As I said, I can't talk about it too much. But yes, I will say that if the first game felt a little bit rambly, then they have done things to kind of, uh, you know, improve that a bit. Uh, it's not really so much long as in, oh, God, this will never end. Just more substantial, <laughs> I suppose, is the word I want to use. All right, great. I mean, you know, I have to also give a shout out to their mini map, the new 8 bit mini map. Oh, it's so great. I love it. It's practical and fashionable. All right. (laughs) Good to hear. Uh, but other than that, I, I, it's, it's a weird week because uh, the 4th of July has kind of mixed everything up in my head. And so we yeah, were off true. for a day and then it's like, hey, back to work. Like, what? Yeah, exactly. I'm not even thinking. I mean, I like also like E3 was a month ago and you guys did all your E3 coverage. And so like I, <laughs> I, I can't have fun with any of that really. So it's like, yeah, FF7, how about that? I will. I will say I'm playing something this week or the last couple of weeks that's maybe not an RPG in most people's eyes, but it is uh, definitely has all the trappings, and I enjoy it quite a bit. And that is Judgment. Oh yes, uh, we have talked about Yakuza games in the past, so you are clear to go. Of course, of course, I, <laughs> I would imagine so. Uh, it's really good. It is, of course, a spinoff of the Yakuza games. Um, same city, but different mm-hmm. cast of characters, different story. But many of the same things that people have enjoyed in Yakuza games. Like, for example, silly side stories. Or yes. not silly, serious stories. <laughs> um, they do uh, Yakuza, and I suppose uh, Judgment as well, does a really commendable job of mixing up the silly with the serious. They do. They just strike that perfect balance that I that makes me envious as a writer. Right, yeah. I mean, they uh, there's there's an emphasis on cats in this game. I've noticed. Oh well, there a plus. Um, <laughs> yeah, it starts out. You have this. Uh, you you take these little scenes where you sort of pan around the screen and look for things to examine. Uh-huh. 
And as I was doing this the first time, it's like I started to hear a cat mewling. And I was like, what is that? And I had to like basically find the cat. And what you do is if you find a stray cat on the screen, you get uh, like five bonus experience points. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But then not soon after that, it becomes like a a sub story. Like I said, a side story where you can just uh, basically find uh, different cats for someone who's looking for them and get, you know, extra bonuses or whatnot and meet new weirdos. (laughs) There's plenty of weirdos to go around in uh, in Yakuza and uh, I guess Judgment. Yeah, since I, this 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 takes place, you know, like today, right? And uh-huh. so did the Yakuza Six in some ways. It was only like a couple years old. Those, these games have are contemporary with the year they came out in originally. This is just an, another up to date version of of Kamurocho, the city you walk around in. So uh, it's pretty cool. Uh, it has lots of nice little graphics effects as well. Like they upgraded the engine from Yakuza 6. And mm-hmm. Some of the side stuff is fun. Again, not an RPG, but they do have drone racing. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go. I actually... That is, it's more fun to me than the um, slot racing from the other Yakuza games. But yeah. But the uh, the slot racing always had the best reaction images from uh, Kiryu. Just the True, agony yeah, of, no... lo- of loss. Yeah, you get that sort of in this game, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I actually did not get to play Yakuza 6. I'm actually f- extremely behind in Yakuza games, to my shame. Yeah, me neither. I mean, yes, me too as well. I, I really only started with Zero, like everyone says you should. Right. Uh, <laughs> the thing is, I bought mostly all of them through the years, but I never played any of them yeah, until same. Zero came out. Uh, <laughs> so I do have like Yakuza 3 and 4 sitting on the shelf, but they also recently remastered those in Japan and there isn't like there isn't full confirmation that those are being like relocalized yet so I'm like eh, should I see? yeah it's a kind of wait good. for these new versions of 3 4 and 5 or should I just play them now on PS3 when they were not quite as um honed as far as the localizations yeah it's so. that tricky limbo in the meantime though we do have these spin-offs like uh, judgment and before that the fist of the north star one um I, which was a bit weak I thought this is this is much better uh between yakuza snack I would say than uh, the fist of the north star <laughs> game was i actually we we have that my husband's a big yakuza fan but uh i i didn't get to play that one you're not missing much yeah I, i'm kind of so so on fist of the north star anyway i think is like of course a really fun cultural touchstone and you are already dead and all that but uh yes, yes. <laughs> I, I don't go back and sit down and watch the movie or anything like that over and over again no no, but that game was fun because it had the same uh, voice cast as the Yakuza game. So you have Kiryu's voice doing uh, Kenshiro's voice. <laughs> so you get him doing all the, the fan service lines and things. So. so we know what Kiryu is in an alternate dimension. We know who he is. Uh, well, actually, and also there is a costume that you can basically change to Kiryu. That's pretty great. That's amazing. <laughs> and play it as him. Wow. I love that series sense of humor, just yeah. the whole thing. Yeah, it's good that they, you know, the licensing Iron Fist let them do, do something like that. <laughs> <laughs> the, the the most uh, terrible of villains, a licensing Iron Fist. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I mean that's that's it for for me. I've only put a few hours into Judgment. Um, I do take it kind of slowly in my downtime. Yeah, like I said, it is is a good between Yakuza snack. I guess I'll find out uh, what to do with my with my playing the series after that. There's actually um, I don't know if you play any Final Fantasy XIV because of course that's in the news a lot this week. I, I don't, but yeah, I'm I'm aware of it. I, <laughs> they're they're really beefing up the commercials. It's really getting people's attention. Yeah, they are, aren't they? I remember seeing uh, the I didn't go to E3, but I saw the, the just the huge ass banners they had at the uh, at the show. And uh, of course, when I did PAX East uh, a few months prior to that, they were there was just Shadowbringers everywhere. So it's like wow, it's as someone who grew up with these the Final Fantasy games and how nerdy they were and how obscure they were, it's just kind of that still that kind of thing still blows my mind to see. Yeah, for sure. I'm sorry. Did you did you have something to say about FF14? No, I was just uh, okay. I was wondering. Okay, well, we can have a discussion about Final oh. Fantasy 14, except uh, oh. I don't play it and you don't play it. So. 
<laughs> well, yeah, that's the thing. I, I do do my other podcast, No More Whoppers, which is just a you know off the cuff thing with my friend Alex, and he's the big FF14 player, right? So yeah, ours is we'll Mike. Have to. I think uh, Kat needs to get Mike on the show to talk about it. Yeah, all right. Just have those two guys. <laughs> those two strangers. <laughs> Five hours later. Yeah. Why not? We got me for this. Why not go even more experimental with Axe of the Blood God in the future? <laughs> sure. We're, we're going to be uh, making our own White Album soon enough. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe you, the listener, could host. <laughs> <laughs> Choose your own venture. Yeah. Uh, you guys have a Patreon, right? You can do that? Actually, no, we don't. <laughs> Oh, right. Anyway. <laughs> but yeah, now you've given us right. a good a good reason to start one up. Oh, you're a real website, yeah. <laughs> well, no. <laughs> Was there any other news, though? Like I said, E3 has left things in kind of a desert as far as news goes. So, Yeah, it, it's been a little bare. Um, we talked a little bit about, um, I don't know if ActRaiser and uh, Solserath count as RPGs, but uh, oh, that's yeah, in the news. Yeah. Uh, that did come to mind, yeah. That's like they announced that, and it's out in like another week or something. Yeah, it's coming out soon. I actually, it actually prompted me to write a, an article about ActRaiser and you know how interesting the game is, and just how the the simulation aspect of the game feeds so well into the action aspect, and vice versa. Uh, it, it's still one of my favorite SNES games of all time, and the fact that it's no longer available on any sort of virtual console just makes me very sad. Yeah, I mean, that was the thing I mentioned on Twitter, too, is that, like, I had wished for years that someone would, would rip off ActRaiser in a more explicit <laughs> way. And, it, like, uh, you know, I, I do indie game development now, and it was, like, one of my first game ideas was to just, like, make something like that. Um, maybe not as serious or whatever, but, like... Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was such a good concept, and, like, it planted some seeds for, like, tower defense games, and I think that genre kind of was the one that ran away with everything. So yeah. maybe people weren't yeah. thinking too much about ActRaiser. But it's a decent, it's like, it's an all right split of the genres and it, they pull them off, pull them both off pretty well. Um, until of course, ActRaiser 2, which was a platformer ah, only. What a shame that was. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what a, I mean, it's it, a beautiful it's a, game. But, it really uh, is. It's gorgeous. It has a gorgeous soundtrack and, and just not very fun to play, unfortunately. They made it into too hardcore of a platformer. Oh boy, is it a platform you can't control? How novel! Yeah, it's uh, well, it's more fun to watch a speed run. Let's just say that. Yes, I have watched speed runs of it. It's actually a really good speed run game. If you, let if someone, someone else do doing. the work, yes, let's can't someone else do it? <laughs> yeah, so yeah, I'm looking forward to that as well. Yeah, and, I'm actually I just started playing it myself. Oh, Solseraph? Yes, yeah, Solseraph. Oh, sir, is it Seraph or Seraph? Excuse me, I don't mean to call it like a carafe. It's not like you pour <laughs> coffee in it, but Soldieraph. Yeah. <laughs> Pardon me. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm not sure, to be honest. Hmm. I've been calling it Soul Seraph, probably making an idiot out of myself. All right. <laughs> that makes two of us, I guess. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so far, I'm enjoying it. Uh, I still have to play more before I can really make a, a, a final judgment. But uh, I definitely like the fact that someone, as you say, went in and finally ripped off ActRaiser. It's about time. Yeah. It's about time someone ripped did a, did a rip-off job here. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> I want things ripped off and well. Yes. Well, if you're going to rip off, rip off the best. I remember a couple games are sort of like it, like Locke's Quest. I never played that. That was a bit similar. Uh, Mm -hmm. Maybe too, again, maybe lean too much into tower defense type stuff. But I I saw what they were going for. And that was like the closest thing at the time. It's like somebody just more fully rip off ActRaiser. I just want that platforming section. Yeah, there's definitely, uh, Uh, I will say the platforming is very, very hardcore. And that uh, enemies will take pot shots at you, like frankly cheap shot sometimes but yeah. what do you want for a, a an snes era platformer yeah exactly. and uh so far if you die you get sent back to the beginning of the level there are checkpoints but they're pretty rare so i'm like yep this is act razor 
Not bad. And apparently from I looked on the eShop, it's only 15 bucks. Yeah, it's a it's a real discounted game. And I will have a more thorough breakdown uh, by the time this goes up. It'll be sometime this week. Sounds good. Well then, uh, let's just, I guess, leap into our topic for this week brought up by myself. I thought about it for a few days and I was like, what would be a good topic for... Acts of the Blood God, because you guys already do your console quest series, and that's retro stuff, and that's obviously yes. up my alley. But like, I don't want to like step on your toes and take over things. And plus, you did already; you covered all the big systems. I mean, what's left for me? 3DO. <laughs> we have no. We haven't covered. Uh, we haven't covered Genesis or SNES or PlayStation yet. Oh, you haven't? Oh, no. I could have sworn you did. No, and uh, you should ask Cat if you could be a guest on those episodes. All right, sure. Well, okay. Uh, to be nice, maybe I'll just do 3DO here. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> All two of the RPGs that they made for that. They uh, did they have an RPG? I do know that they had actually a very good adaptation of Star Control Two. That's true. Yeah. They well, they did have a Japanese strategy RPG, Lucien's Quest, mm-hmm. uh, which was ported to the other systems of the time, but it started on 3DO. And so, oh, okay. There's also Guardian War, which is also kind of a strategy-ish thing, but it has you know a super deformed look. It looks very much like an RPG if, just from a screenshot, except until you play it, and it's like, oh, it's more of a strategy thing. Oh, okay. So uh, uh, I guess we'll be going over that soon enough. Maybe, yeah. Or the Saturn. Look forward to our uh, virtual highlight blowout. Oh, God. I watched the speedrun of that. <laughs> <laughs> God, that looks hideous. I, I uh, people, I commend people who speed run to begin with, but the people who speed run awful games is just like, man, I salute you fifty <laughs> times over. Especially when it's a, a randomly generated game. That one, it's like Minecraft. You create a seed oh, and right, everything. It is. Yeah. it is randomly generated, and you can't see where you're going because everything looks like gray mush. Oh God, I love TNE Soft. They were, uh, they should have done better, but uh, they stuck to those digitized characters a little too long. Oh God, did they ever? <laughs> All right. Uh, back to my topic, which was um, <laughs> uh, games that turned into RPGs. So I think we know about uh, obvious things like Super Mario RPG. Yes. A platformer turned into an RPG. Um, fortunately, also made uh, in a joint project by Square and Nintendo at the time. Turned out quite well, and that brought us the uh, Paper Mario games as well, and then the Mario and Luigi series. So it's like they'd split off into one RPG that then became different RPG series. And for Mario, especially, that's curious. Uh, yes. But there are many other examples throughout history that I thought of that uh, some of it's based on the fact that after Dragon Quest came out in Japan, there was a really big sort of gold rush, an RPG gold rush, where every mm-hmm. second game that came out on the systems was an RPG of some sort. So you got some of that crossed over into like existing series and some of these platformers and other things that we'll talk about. Nadia, you did mention Paper Mario uh, before yeah. we started recording. Well, you know, I never played the original Paper Mario. Uh, I have oh. it on Virtual Console, but I never played it. But uh, I have... And played uh, Super Mario, uh, Paper Mario, a Thousand Year Door for the GameCube, mm-hmm. which is probably number one on my "Please Bring This to Switch" list. Of course, <laughs> yeah. everyone has that list, and that's pretty much at the top of mine. It is the zenith of that series. It really is. It is by far the best entry in that series. It is funny. It is fun to play. Has fantastic music. The graphics, of course, the graphics aren't exactly going to be aging anytime soon. No. <laughs> so it's just a perfect game to to pour on over. And uh, I would I would just love to see it. I, I had a great time with that game. And if it was one of the reasons to own a GameCube. And there weren't, you know, a huge stack of reasons to own a GameCube. But that was definitely one of them. Yeah, still is, as you said. Cause yes, you can't <laughs> buy it anywhere no else. Or anything. Yeah. They'll do the Metroid Prime trilogy, but not one Paper Mario game. Yeah, come on, people. Yeah. 
I mean, I, I do call it the Zenith because after that, they did, you know, it, it got a bit disappointing. Like, Super Paper Mario was promising at first, but then it was sort of like Actraiser. They tied in the platforming a bit too much to it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, um, it, that was another game that actually had like hilarious writing, but uh, I wasn't just wasn't a fan of the the gameplay itself so much. The the graphics were, I mean, obviously they used pretty much the same graphic style, but like the environments were kind of drab because Mario yeah. was in like this weird sort of virtualish world, and they seemed to take on that Wii aesthetic of just you know whites and grays, a lot of that. <laughs> it was definitely a very early aughts aesthetic, wasn't it? Yeah. Everything uh, was white. I mean, they're okay. I mean, they're Nintendo games. They're not going to be all super awful. But, no, absolutely uh, not. Compared to how well-crafted Thousand Year Door was, yeah, the rest of them didn't didn't live up to it, which is sad, but it happens. Yeah, I know that Sticker Star gets a lot of flack because a lot of people say, think that's like, a lot of people still hold that one against Miyamoto because apparently he said, uh, why <laughs> yeah. should a Paper Mario, why should a Mario game in, in general have a story? And supposedly, I don't know how true this is or isn't, either way, all I know is there was very little story to uh, Sticker Star, and I think that was to his detriment. But, well, context uh, is everything, especially to a quote like that. I could kind exactly. of see where he's coming from because you had you they had two RPG series. They had Mario, uh, Paper Mario, and Mario and Luigi. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you're, that's so a good it's point. like I could see Miyamoto just you know looking things over in the war room, going like, "Why are we? Why are we wasting all our resources? <laughs> we, could, we could own all this here." Uh, so I could see why they would focus on Mario and Luigi as the RPG, the core RPG uh, type of series than they would Paper Mario. Yeah, that's a good point, especially since Mario and Luigi, for the most part, are actually really excellent RPGs. Uh, yeah. Bowser's Inside Story is still a fantastic game. I replayed yeah. it and I really loved it. Yeah, true. Then they did the Paper Mario crossover game as well. So That was pretty good, too. That was yeah. fun. I enjoyed that. Maybe that was Mar- uh, Miyamoto's mandate. It's just like, <laughs> <laughs> I got to pass the torch. <laughs> And actually, um, I didn't get to play Color Splash too much, uh, but I watched my husband play it. And yeah. even though it wasn't uh, so much an RPG in the Paper Mario Thousand Year Door sense, it was still it was still like pretty good and pretty funny. The writing was great in that one. Oh yeah, good graphics on that one too. Yeah, it yeah, was a good looking game. Very well rendered fruit. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the fruit was delicious looking. Yes. A plus. Yeah, <laughs> gotta have that now after Final Fantasy fifteen set the bar. Oh yes. Um, oh, the, that food. So that's that's Mario. So that's like, you know, that's a really easy example to go on this. Another, I guess, sort of easy example, uh, Nadia, this is also in your wheelhouse, is Mega Man. Yes. The one I was thinking of uh, at first was Mega Man X Command Mission. Yes. That's, now, uh, Mega Man X, in general, that, that series, that sort of platforming series, had its fair share of drama compared to the mainline Mega Man games <laughs> where it was just like yes. <laughs> cartoon bit. boy robot. Uh <laughs> This oh, was yes. full-on Shonen-style melodrama every every step of the way. So in some ways, all of that, I thought, lent itself well to becoming an RPG. And what do you know, Capcom made one for the PS2 and GameCube. Yes. Uh, have you, I assume you've played it? I have played it. I have played it I assume you're familiar with it, it as the big uh, Mega Man fan here. Yes. Uh, any comments on it? Was it good? Did you enjoy it or not? Um, I enjoyed it. Uh, I think it could have been better, of course. Uh, Big surprise there. Its strength, I believe, was the enemies. Because what what it would do was it would take these enemies that you were so used to from, like, you know, the Mega Man X games and turn them into RPG enemies. It was just a lot of fun to fight those in an RPG context, I thought. Um, the story was mostly nonsense. I, you asked me what it's about to this day. I still can't tell you. Okay. (laughs) All right. (laughs) Which, Which is a shame because... 
Mega Man X, the first game, kind of proved you really don't need to go all that complicated or bring in a bunch of idiot new characters to to tell a decent story. Uh, yes. I mean, it's machine versus humans. There's a very compelling narrative there to begin with. Right. Uh, artificial intelligence gone, gone crazy. You know, it's it's classic. Don't bring in all these characters who who are just you know freaking weird. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so. So it had story, some familiarity to it. Exactly. Yeah, that's good. So the story wasn't the best. Some of the characters were, were all right. I thought Cinnamon was kind of cute. She was a little like a little sort of angel healer robot. Oh, I'm sorry. Did you say Cinnamon? Her name was her name was Cinnamon. Yes. <laughs> all right. Just checking. She was she was she was as cute as her name suggests. A very right. kind of you know that typical innocent anime girl style going on. I see. Well, if you can't explain much about the plot, can you at least explain like their costume changes cuz like, I mean, X in the game, he kind of he kind of looks like he's in his cop uniform. <laughs> <laughs> I think it kind of looks like a cop version of Mega Man X. I don't think we ever got a full explanation of that. I All do right. know that his scarf is supposed to be some sort of something to do with with like distracting enemies uh, for all the good it did. It was random encounters anyway. Okay. That that's all I remember. Um, <laughs> I do know that so they had like alternate versions uh, in battle that were kind of based on uh, some of their armors in the game. Like you had Black Zero, and um, I don't know what the deal was with Absolute Zero, which was his, like his his <laughs> you know his form, his his big you know strong form. Well, he's I, just extra cold, right? I mean, he, he's just extra cool, yeah, obviously. Extra steely um, stare, that kind of sort of thing. He did. Lo- a lot of fans pointed out how interesting it was. That he looked like base. Because okay. of, you always have that Dr. Wily link. You know, Zero was built by Dr. Wily. Ah, yes. So um, so fans thought, okay, maybe it has something to do with that. Uh, so I can't explain the costume changes to you. I'm really sorry. I've failed. All right. No, that's fair <laughs> enough. You did, you, did, you did admirably, I thought. <laughs> Thank you. I was just wondering. Like, I just looked at those characters, at, you know, and the first thing that comes to my mind is like, you know, they're kind of colored like cops. It's weird. <laughs> I never... Never heard X as a cop before, I, but here I we are. Know. It's just like, yeah, it's just this action figure variation, I, I guess. You there know. you go. <laughs> yeah. He was the variation you buy when uh, your parents buy you the first ones, and yeah. you're like, but I'm not done with the series yet. Give me more. Yeah, and the kung fu grip and all that. The kung fu grip action. Stores the weapons in a shell, that sort of thing. Oh, God. What <laughs> I, I just love to be a fly on the wall when when the, uh, Playmates was coming up with the final ideas for the Ninja Turtle line. Uh, yeah. yeah, we stuff weapons inside them. Oh, that sounds great. A+. Plus. Hey, makes sense, Ship right? I, I guess, maybe. I think my husband had one of those. <laughs> All right. So the thing is also is that Mega Man has a lot of RPGs or RPG type things. They made another series, Mega Man Battle Network and Mega yes. Man Star Force that were all RPGs, uh, more targeted towards towards kids than I think maybe the <laughs> more Shonen style Mega Man X game was. But obviously they they made dozens of those games. We, we say that Mega Man Battle Network, yes, theoretically it was for kids. But did you play Mega Man Battle Network 2? Not 2. I've only played a couple of the later ones. Okay, because something about the localization in Mega Man Battle Network 2 went hilariously awry. And I mean that in the best way possible. I believe it. Because there was just like every – there was a lot of dams, a lot of hells, a lot of like, you know, the oh, yeah. sort of like PG uh, words that you can kind of say in front of your mom <laughs> if she's in a good mood. There was one of my favorite lines in a video game ever was you have to – okay, first of all, there's a side quest where you have to get a bottle of whiskey from a rapper. And okay. <laughs> this is on a plane. You're on a plane in this side quest, and this rapper is up at, you know, in, in, in first class. All right. So far, true to life. Yeah. And uh, he's like, uh, oh, you want some of this whiskey? You're too young for whiskey. Go suck on your mama's tit. And it's like, what? Um... <laughs> no, it's go suck on your mama's milk. Still, okay. the implication is yeah. still the same. <laughs> 
for a second, I wasn't sure whether to believe you because, like, you you you, you introed it in a, a way that I could believe them using that that T word. But uh. <laughs> yeah, no, it it was just like even for okay, first of all, this game was rated E, and yeah. it probably shouldn't have been rated E. e you know, it, it was just like okay, <laughs> for kids, for the children, that's okay. Right, well, yeah. Oh, and uh, uh, Snake Man's operator had an orgasm while battling Lan. All right. Well, we'll check in with that later. Thanks, Maddie. <laughs> um, we'll check in with that later. No, we won't. <laughs> uh, we'll have a list of links at the end of the show. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> then there was Star Force, which was kind of like uh, split off from that series. Um, I don't know if there were any other uh, localization foibles. No, unfortunately, Battle, Battle Network 2 was as weird as it got. Uh, Star Force, I didn't play too much of. I played the, some of the first game. I was like, yeah, okay. Yeah. They had an interesting battle system, which I think sort of um, is now adopted in a lot of um, mobile games, like yes. um, gotcha type RPGs. So it had like this grid-based sort of battle system where you'd you know, blitz yourself around the, the grid and try and position yourself to not get hit by the enemies when it was their turn, that sort of thing. And you would use these uh, modifier chips that would add extra abilities and things uh, to your weaponry, to put it in a very small nutshell. Uh, yeah, thinking about it, when I reviewed mobile games back in the day, I reviewed more than a couple that were obviously uh, inspired by uh, Battle Network and Star Force. And again, yeah, that's the thing now with a lot of them, just these sort of grid-based, supposed to be tactical, but maybe not really sort of uh, battle systems in these uh, games that uh, suck your money away. Yeah. If you're not careful. Great. And <laughs> sometimes even if you are careful and then of course there's there's Mega Man Legends which is maybe not an obvious RPG but it does have a lot of action RPG elements to it yes obviously they added even more story to those as well they did these very well crafted cutscenes and such uh, to make it look a lot like an, like a 3D polygonal anime yeah they actually did it quite well uh, the facial expressions on that game are still like really good yeah, yeah, definitely my favorite part, and I love those games. Another big one, another big sort of mascot we can talk about is Sonic. There was Sonic Chronicles, <laughs> what, the Dark Brotherhood <laughs> on DS. This was uh, from Bioware just before they got bought by EA. I think it was just after they got bought, which would explain yeah, I think a lot of the game's problems. It was announced that they were purchased like right before the game came out, so it was just like everybody was like, okay, yeah, no, Sega was, yeah, Sega will let us finish it, EA will let us finish it, don't worry. Yeah, um, they're not going to give us oh, money to finish me, it, but let us finish it. Yeah, exactly. Um, so that game, I, it was certainly interesting. It was like it was expected in a way. Like I, I can imagine people being like, you know, when are they going to make a Sonic RPG? Mm. I can imagine some fans being like that over the years. So they finally made one by a known RPG studio. Just you know, maybe not, uh, maybe not a JRPG. I think that's kind of what people expected, and I think maybe that's sort of what. Bioware wanted to make, but they made a game that um, ironically was kind of sluggish, right? They did. I mean... <laughs> um, uh, Sonic Chronicles, I haven't played it, thankfully, but I have watched okay. a playthrough of it. I sat there and watched Vine Sauce's playthrough like an idiot. <laughs> yeah. F all five hours of it, however Again, long it let someone else do the work. <laughs> let someone else do the work, and I was very happy to let them do it because... Especially if they're a known entertaining streamer. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> No, it wasn't Vinny. It was um, it was oh. someone else, but it was it was still pretty good. Okay. Uh, except the game itself was terrible. Uh, basically, it feels like they had a game in place and they didn't have the money or resources or time to to really give it that polish that it needed. And it really didn't help that the soundtrack is legendarily bad on just yeah. an extreme level, and not just 
not just the soundtrack, what really boggles my mind about this game is if you ever listen to the sound effects, they're all stock sound effects. Yeah, like Warner Brothers Sound Library. So <laughs> yes, like they... Boing-oing. Like, boing I, I swear to God. They, <laughs> yeah, I think I remember that, yeah. And oh. it's just horrible to listen to. Uh, they use a couple of sonic sound effects, like, you know, him, like, revving up for a spin dash. Yeah. The coin sound, of course. Uh, but otherwise, it's just awful. And yes, the, the battles are quite sluggish because every single attack, and I mean every single one, requires you to do some stupid minigame. And that grows really old really oh, yeah. fast. Are they touch-based? <laughs> yeah, touch-based minigames. It was very yeah. DS in that regard. Yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah, so, and the story was... <sighs> I, I think everyone was really excited about Bioware doing this at first because, yeah. of course, Bioware is legendary. Uh, but it just did – everyone's kind of hopes were dashed by the end. And the whole game turned out to be just a real cluster fracas of a lawsuit at the end for Archie because of uh, – Oh, uh, really? Uh, oh, you, you didn't this know This part legend, I didn't hear, no. The, like, the legend of Ken Penders. Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. Ken Penders was involved, I see. There you okay? So I guess that says it all, doesn't it? You already know oh, who right. he is. I see. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah. I just you said Archie. I thought maybe there was was there an actual Archie lawsuit, but maybe not. It was just Ken Penders going buck wild. Ken Penders goes wild, basically. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, he um, thought that one of the characters in uh, the Dark Chrono- Dark Brotherhood or whatever it was called was a ripoff of his Julie Sue character. Okay. It wasn't at all. Like not maybe I've heard of this. Of course, I've heard a lot of Ken Penders things, but exactly. Uh, yeah, you've probably heard many, many Ken Penders things, and just in the past week alone, yeah. practically. I think I think I know all the greatest hits. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine a commercial just like the the blue screen scrolling up with all the, yeah. the greatest hits? Oh God, it'd be the worst album in the world. Yellow text just crawling up. Julie Sue incidents. <laughs> <laughs> that one time he wouldn't stop talking about hedgehog sex on Twitter. I mean, I almost can't be surprised because this was like a Western-made Sonic game and focused on story. Uh-huh. Someone, whether it was Ken Penders or not, maybe just some other disgruntled fan would have been like, they ripped off the comics. Yeah, uh, exactly. But they didn't really. Obviously, this is an original story, um, more based on, you know, the Japanese side of the characters than, than anything. Yeah. yeah, I think they, they might have, like, I think they admitted, okay, we were a little bit inspired by the comic, but not there's nothing, like, one-to-one taken yeah. from it at all or even could be suggested to be taken, like, heavily inspired by it sure it was I mean, it was all but you want to <laughs> yeah i know people the love the comic i'm not saying i'm not denouncing anyone's nostalgia but at that time you know maybe not yeah the the ken penders era of the knuckles the echidna uh, comic was one of those things where we look back on it and we thought it was so cool when we were younger but now that we look get back on it as adults we're like oh why yeah. did we like this i mean all the way back you know back to like the sad am stuff you know <laughs> Yeah, yeah. People will like hit me with things for saying the Sad AM cartoon was never that good because I, ne- I didn't even watch it as a kid. So, <laughs> well, I, yeah, very few things hold up. <laughs> Let's just say that. <laughs> That's a good uh, way of putting it. Especially Sonic Chronicles on DS. I think you know, uh, just being on DS sort of hampered it as well. Even if you have Bioware, even if you have Sega inviting Bioware to make a Sonic RPG, if you put it on DS. Where, you know, not every gamer has a great view of it. Not every gamer is going to regard it as well as, say, if it was on Xbox 360 or something like that. Mm -hmm. That's an attitude that will, I think, leak into development as well. (laughs) Maybe subconsciously, but certainly not everybody's going to take it that seriously. Especially uh, Sonic RPG? Sonic's for kids, isn't it? So let's just make sort of a... uh, 
a, a game that's easy for kids to digest. I think maybe that's what could have happened. We're not going to get Bioware seriousness out of the Sonic universe, I think. That's true. And as you say, at the time, the even though the DS was, of course, a, a tremendous hit, it was still kind of regarded as a, kind of an also-ran, a, yeah. a, kind of a compliment to the, the Wii, I suppose. Right. Now, if they made one now for Switch, I'm sure it'd be great. Right? <laughs> it'd be fantastic, I'm sure. <laughs> There's probably going to be a lot, lot, lot fewer... Uh, Western developed Sonic games after Sonic Boom and such for a while. So. Ooh, yeah, I I forgot that existed. Except yeah. for the the cartoon, actually, was actually pretty funny. I, I, I do it. hear good things about the cartoon. Yeah, the cartoon was good because it was clear that the people making it number one had no money, so they had to reuse all like oh, yeah. all these assets all the time. Uh, number two just knew that the game was like such a mess that they really couldn't do anything with it, so they just went crazy with the writing and it was hilarious yeah i mean you know kudos to not having a lot of oversight (laughs) (laughs) exactly Uh, just do whatever so strangely that's like sonic's big rpg jaunt compared to those other characters we talked about yeah Um, that is funny isn't it mario and Mega Man have you know been around the block rpg wise but he's uh he kind of just stayed there (laughs) yeah you know who's had more rpgs by my definition than sonic that's Mm -hmm. bomberman really yeah oh my goodness gracious so there's Bomberman Quest, which was on Game Boy Color. Uh-huh. It's more of an action RPG. It's actually a lot It's a lot like Link's Awakening as you will play it. You'll find out, you know, the way the screen scrolls and the way it sort of presents dungeons to you and such. Like, they took a lot from Link's Awakening, which makes perfect sense. And mm-hmm. that's fine. There's not a whole lot of, like, terrible Bomberman games, um, especially at least as far as, like, 8-16-bit goes. They sort of made a sequel in Bomberman Tournament, which was a GBA uh-huh. launch game. Game Boy Advance launch game and right. uh, very similar sort of action RPG. Oh, yeah, I would check those out. They're they're decent games. I actually didn't. I never. Uh, I never played that. That sounds really cute. Yeah, they 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 have good graphics and all that. That was just, you know back when Hudson was still kind of you know uh, good at producing two D games at least. Maybe not three D games as much, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, uh, we don't talk uh, about Bomberman Zero. No, Act Zero. No, wait. Are you kidding? That's one of my favorites. Why is it not backwards compatible? <laughs> I can think of a few reasons. I have a review copy. <laughs> Do you really? Yeah, it's 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 what they called a green disc, which means it runs on retail Xboxes. So, oh yeah, I wow, I can pop it in whenever I want. I played that multiplayer <laughs> with the I'm Japanese sorry? developers. Oh, who probably were staying up at three a.m. Did trying you to play this terrible game? For oh white no, people. that's like the saddest story since baby shoes for sale never oh, worn. Man, you gotta look at everything about Act Zero with a smile. I'd say you have to just. Uh, <laughs> Ooh, so how? what was it like, just like briefly, what was it like playing with the developers? Like, Well, the- to be honest, it wasn't a lot different from any other sort of uh, developer multiplayer session that you would do in the press back then. It was just like, uh-huh. okay, PR has set up a time for you guys to hop on Xbox Live and do this, and we'll have some people somewhere <laughs> in an office <laughs> rotating in and out so you can play for an hour or so and get a feel of multiplayer. Um, that was it. No, no voice chat, you know, no, no lively <laughs> sessions oh, or anything. Just sort of that like, was, you couldn't even talk. Uh, well also I didn't choose to, I don't think so. <laughs> I probably, that was probably for the best. <laughs> I'm sure it was just some guys, some guys at Hudson, probably in their QA department, just being like, yeah, let's just get this over with. And as you say, it was probably three in the morning over there. Yeah. We've already missed the last train. <laughs> <Let's> <laughs> We're just... sleeping here tonight. Do this for an hour, go to sleep, and then go get breakfast. <laughs> uh, but that's not an RPG. That was a first-person bomber game, they called it. 
<laughs> not first person at all. It was third person, but they called it first person bomber. Oh my god, that that whole game is a legend. Everything yeah, about it. Everything about it, absolutely. Um, I won't talk too much about the B Domin series, which was there was there was another RPG of this. This was originally a Bomberman anime that was turned mm-hmm. into some games, including an RPG for Game Boy. Um, but then that franchise was sort of rebooted into a non Bomberman Pokemon ish anime series. That they did end up localizing on GBA. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Atlas, I believe, did it, and I think they so they tried to you know launch the anime here as well and stuff. That was one of the you know very obscure sort of you know Pokemon Gold Rush sort of. Yeah, when all series. these like weird ass animes came over and they just yeah. like let's see what can stick. I'm sure if you saw it, it was like at seven thirty in the morning on Channel Ten or whatever you have. You know, that was you a would very have. interesting time for anime, though at least yeah. localized anime. My actually, my cousin does a, did a voice on Beyblade. All right, I, I can't wow. remember which character. The okay. one of the one of the sullen ones. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you gotta have the sullen guy. Yeah, but uh, Beyblade, to my great uh, surprise, stuck around. Yeah. True. There you go. So b was kind of like that. I think they called it B-Daman over here as they pronounce it. Oh, okay. I never watched yeah. it, but it was one of those one of those commercials you'd see like when you were yeah. flipping through and waiting for, uh, I don't know, like wrestling to come on or something. Yeah. So it had nothing to do with Bomberman by the time we got it, but it started out as a Bomberman series. And uh, yeah, they made games based on it, including an RPG for Game Boy. So huh. Bomberman, again, has more RPGs He's, than Sonic does. I did not know he had such a rich and, and bountiful RPG history. Uh, yeah, they really pushed him in, in Japan, at least. He was like a legitimate mascot. He was Hudson's big mascot. So, right. You know, yeah. They, they pushed him. him a lot. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he's a cute character. Easy to draw. <laughs> <laughs> Even I can draw him. Yeah. Just draw a bomb as well, and then there you go. <laughs> Round bombs, yeah, it worked out. Or a bomb with a little little stick coming out of it, a little fuse. Yeah. I don't know about the B-Daman game, but the other ones I mentioned were pretty good. Barman Tournament and Barman Quest. Those did come out here, and those are decent games. I would check them out. So I did mention also at the beginning that there was the, the Dragon Quest Gold Rush, when a lot of uh, games, especially in Famicom, were always RPGs. Mm-hmm. And there was another mascot character that uh, falls into that category, and that's Jaja Maru from Jaleco. The little ninja boy who started in a uh, multi-tiered platform arcade game, ported to Famicom, and then they just sort of capitalized on that, and they made an RPG called Jajumaru Nimpocho. I don't have a lot to say about it, because again, everybody was ripping off Dragon Quest, and that meant everything, including the cliches about it, you know, the graphics, oh, you, have, yeah. you start out in a village, you go out in the world map, you go into a dungeon, maybe... You fight all different kinds of characters in these, you know, these first-person battle screens that are probably, you know, these these black screens that you... <laughs> the black screens with the one enemy on it. Uh, yeah, exactly. Kat and I have talked in the past about the uh, the Gundam RPGs that came out of that era. Yes, <laughs> there are many. Yeah, what else was it? Oh, yeah, they were going to localize it. It was going to come out in America as Taro's Quest. Oh, um, but it was um, one of many NES games that got that fell by the wayside. And uh, but there is a localized prototype out there, I believe. So that's really it's, interesting. There's actually I always like to hear about uh, localized prototypes that kind of fell by the wayside, like you know yeah. our Final Fantasy II, our Earthbound. Uh, yeah, exactly. Zero, that sort of thing. Yeah, the RPG especially, because like, you have to put a lot of work into getting yes. those translated, and then it's just like, no, this isn't <laughs> going to work for us financially, so bye. And meanwhile, Japan's on like Final... We're, we're like, okay, we got Final Fantasy 2 done. Yeah, we're on yeah. Final Fantasy 4. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, That's going in the bin. Yeah. <laughs> it was pretty much up to Nintendo and then Enix America to like release any RPGs. <laughs> yeah. 
you got some of those weird outliers like Ghost Lion that came out. But... Right. That was the greatest box art in the world, frankly. Yes, of course. That's <laughs> just epic. Uh, yeah. I mean, there was a lot of trouble, I think, in, on, in American game companies trying to market at RPG. And it shouldn't have been that hard. It really shouldn't mm-hmm. have been. I mean, you know Japan loves them, so why not try a bit harder? But I guess they thought that all we wanted was run-and-gun games and Mario and type stuff. So, Yeah, they tried. Uh, of course, they tried it with Dragon Warrior, and I guess it just didn't take off enough. Yeah. Well, we got all the Dragon Warriors on NES, at least. Yeah, we did. <laughs> and I am so thankful for that because they were great games. Yeah, thank goodness, but not not Taro's Quests. No, sad little Taro's Quest. Um, well, we did get other ninja games, ninja, another ninja RPG. So... um. There is a series in Japan called, <clears throat> excuse me, Super Chinese. Oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> Uncomfortable pause. The, yeah. Um, the first game came out here is more of an arcade game called Kung Fu Heroes uh, on NES. Well, actually one of my favorite games as, as, a, as a youngin. Um, hmm. very, very fun game. Repetitive as most of those arcade games are, but pretty fun. Um, but then that was, that was Super Chinese 1. And mm-hmm. then Culture Brain, the maker of those games, made Super Chinese 2, which was a complete... 180 into an RPG. Oh. And that RPG was also released here as Little Ninja Brothers. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh. And that is also just very much a Dragon Quest cliche type of game, but much like in the ways that uh, some of these other games that we'll talk about or did talk about, like they did incorporate the previous game's gameplay into the battles. So you have these battle scenes that uh, look kind of like beat-em-ups, <laughs> like yeah. a Belt Scroll beat-em-up scene, um, which is sort of what the original... Uh, first Kung Fu Heroes was like. And then after that, you go to the world map and you do all your typical adventuring and black screen battle screen fighting. And <laughs> Oh, that's, uh, that. that's one hell of a mishmash. Yeah. Uh, so Culture Brain, they were big into franchising their stuff, so they did turn this into a series. There was Super Chinese 3, and that was not released here. But uh, the Game Boy version was, that was called Ninja Boy. And hmm. then the Super Nintendo version, Super Ninja Boy. You can see wow. they abandoned names pretty quickly, the American office of Culture Brain. <laughs> they went from Little Ninja Brothers, no, maybe it's Ninja Boy now. Uh, uh, so they kept that up. So a few of these did come out here. And uh, again, they're pretty cliche, but they're all right. I think the ninja aesthetic played more to a global audience than than, than most things did. So I can see why yeah. they would they would not be as scared releasing a ninja RPG here. When everybody looks so clearly like, you know, they got their headbands and their little ninja suits and everything, of course. You got your, you got your swords, what more do you need? But again, ironically, it started as a kung fu game, <laughs> the super <laughs> yeah. Chinese, but <laughs> you still had to call it super Chinese, but you had ninjas. And <sighs> with all your typical, stereotypical <laughs> Japanese aesthetic to it, like feudal oh, Japan boy. aesthetic, and the music was very much of the time as well. I mean, of the, um, you know, that sort of stereotypical Japanese stuff, like Goemon games in a way. Right, exactly. Uh, we kind of went all over Asia there, didn't we? Yeah, we did. Uh, but those are those are decent games as well. I mean, again, they're pretty, pretty jaunty. They are very, uh, the music is very good, I think. Just, just fun mm-hmm. little games. That's the Ninja Boy slash Ninja Brothers series. Yeah. I forgot to play that one. No, no, yeah. These are all the, the, the third party ones. <laughs> <laughs> Um, related to Bomberman, this is not actually a game, but there could have been a Bonk RPG. Oh, now see that I could, I could imagine that happening. Yeah. However, uh... I think this was a Japanese magazine joke (laughs) that they, you know, this, this Japanese magazine made up these mock-up screenshots of a 
Bonk's Adventure PC Genjin RPG for for PC mm-hmm. Engine, and uh, you know it was it looked like all the things I just described. You know, it's very Dragon Quest cliche sort of world map and stuff. Um, and then I think Electronic Gaming Monthly just sort of took those scans as they did back in the day when when EGM had less scruples, <laughs> and just turned that into a one page preview, <laughs> and called it Bonk Four, the role playing game. Oh, just and someone like a- had to write a blurb. <laughs> Describing what was going on in these fake screenshots and saying, oh, maybe this will come out someday. Just like Final Fantasy 64 for the N64. Oh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, there could have been a Bonk RPG, maybe. I don't know. I think maybe there was some speculation that um, Hudson or Red, the original developer, was so impressed that they decided to start a project for it. I don't know. That seemed, that's all like Game of Telephone, Japanese cultural sort of <laughs> yeah. uh, hearsay. I wonder how, like, uh, Bonk would like upgrade his weapons. Would he get like harder yeah. heads or? He had what? to. St- he must. Uh, yeah, I mean, because Bonk, his weapon is his head. So yeah, maybe he like tapes a sword to his head. That's it. Because I don't. His, I remember him having like stubby little arms. I don't think he'd be very good at like holding yeah. swords and shields. I mean, he, he's okay. Not to sound too dirty, but he's all head. You know. <laughs> too late. Eh, yeah. <laughs> maybe he maybe just started out with a bone or something, and you would you know hit enemies with that. Some sort of. <laughs> Taped to his head. I now you know, I bring this up uh, not just because of the link to Hudson and Barman, but also Adventure Island. Mm-hmm. Adventure Island could have been a good RPG. They came pretty close. They did make a couple of games that were kind of you know Metroidvania ish, and uh, Super Adventure Island Two on Super NES. That was very much. They were pretty close to RPG stuff. Like uh, Master yeah. Higgins, who would typically just wear a grass skirt. You know, you could put like armor on him and shields and swords. <laughs> As yeah. you run around these islands and do stuff in this sort of Metrovania-ish, eh, probably more like an action RPG proper, side-scrolling. Uh, but that yeah, worked so out. That, <laughs> yeah, that would have been a, a pretty natural progression. And uh, yeah. instead of a horse, you skateboard. Uh, the the Bonk games, at least, you know, they did capitalize... Excuse me. The Bonk games, they were a bit more comedic. And so I think a more tongue-in-cheek RPG would have been fun, I think, if they never made it. Yeah, Yeah, I would have enjoyed playing that. And of course, you have like I, I always find like dinosaur enemies always translate well into RPGs, and dinosaurs yeah. naturally progress into dragons. And eh, what more do you need? Now, I do have a couple of examples of fighting game franchises that became RPGs. Mm-hmm. Um, one of these is a bit more obvious than the other. Uh, Samurai Showdown, Samurai Spirits in Japan, that got an RPG. It's SNK just decided to make a, a full-on RPG based on uh, those characters and that lore. It is fan-translated. Cool. It was not released here, but it was ended up fan-translated. So it, uh, they call it Samurai Showdown Tales of the Bushido. Mm-hmm. That and, sounds really uh, cool. It was released on uh, the Neo Geo CD. It was like <laughs> the, real, <laughs> the first real dedicated Neo Geo CD game, I think, or one of them. Um, and then ported to PlayStation and Saturn in Japan. But again, oh, wow. um, definitely not viable for America, probably, I mean, not because Samurai Showdown was unpopular, but because SNK was basically an office in America. So, If that, yeah. Having them, I think, take on a full RPG with all that dialogue would have been uh, a bit too much. Did you ever get to play it? Uh, not entirely. I've played a little bit. The battles are, I mean, I've talked about Dragon Quest cliches. This is a lot more like Final Fantasy. It looks mm-hmm. and plays a bit more like a 16-bit Final Fantasy game. Interesting. The characters are proportional, which is kind of funny. Like on the map screen and in the battles, they kind of they are at proportional proportional full height, so they kind right. of resemble how they do in the actual the fighting game series. But the battles are side view, like like the FF games. I don't think it ended up actually well regarded. Obviously, mm-hmm. on this side of the world, it was highly coveted. 
because right. it was a, an SNK RPG that's like not Crystallis from years ago. It's like <laughs> they actually made a real one. But I think most people actually, after they ended up playing it, were not impressed. Um, maybe that speaks to how, you know, they never made a sequel or anything is what I'm saying. So Right. Right. It's too not. bad because uh, Crystallis was a great game back in the day. Yeah. But, you know, different teams probably making this game. And again, yeah. a company like SNK, so devoted to fighting games, especially back in the 90s, you know, you have a whole new set of talent you have to basically cultivate to make an RPG. So mm-hmm. I can understand why they didn't completely pull it off, perhaps. Um, yeah, uh, that makes sense. They did pull off the look, though. Like I said, it looks very good. Um, it, I mean, they use the same aesthetics as, as the fighting games do, so it basically does look like a Samurai Showdown RPG. There's no mistaking that. <laughs> there's no, you know, there's no changing costumes like Mega Man or anything. It looks like the last game you <laughs> no, played. <laughs> no changing costumes for the hell of it. And yeah. Turn the characters into cops. And you gather all the familiar characters into your party and, you know, go on an adventure. It's pretty interesting, I'd say. Yeah, that sounds pretty cool. It's uh, too bad they didn't uh, stick the landing. Uh, well, speaking of not sticking a landing, uh, mm. well, first of all, I'll start with a fun fact. Did you know Shenmue was going to be the Virtua Fighter RPG? Yes, I remember hearing about right. that. If anyone else didn't know that, there you go. It was going there, to be you learned a thing. the VF RPG starring Akira, the main guy from from that series and uh in in place of who would become Ryo and Shenmue basically and he'd mm-hmm. go on his Chinese adventure to I guess avenge his father or somebody I don't know Yu Suzuki had a plan he changed it up good for him but the game I'm talking about this is no Shenmue I'm talking about Virtua Quest that's on PS2 and GameCube and uh it was a lot like a Mega Man Battle Network in a way mm-hmm. uh you know we mentioned sort of the anime of the early 2000s and such there was a lot of series that not only were trying to crib from Pokemon, but also trying to crib, I think, from Mega Man Battle Network, where you have things that were like, oh, this is our rebooted character. They're in they're in a cyber world or some right. sort of futuristic world. Yeah. And, you know, they connect to the grid or whatever and become their superheroes and such. Konami sort of did the same thing. They rebooted Goemon. Um, not as much uh, of a full-on um, RPG type game, but they did sort of like redesign the characters and make them more hip and young and <laughs> like cybernetic yeah. in a way. So you have this in Virtual Quest. You have your spunky young hero who lives in his future world with all the cool technology and ends up having to fight the bad guys somehow. I guess it's a big corporation you have to fight, but he also collects uh, Virtua Souls. <laughs> Which are basically summons of Virtua Fighter characters. Wow. Because I think the, I believe the conceit was that this takes, this does take place far in the future in the Virtua Fighter universe. So mm-hmm. you do have. <laughs> Way in the future. I guess you now have these legendary fighters like Akira and Kage who have become Virtua Souls, you know, these cybernetic <laughs> versions wow, that it's... are then summoned by little boys with, a, you know, <laughs> you know, a it's... cyber watch or whatever. It's funny to think about how now RPGs do that too on mobile, where with like uh, Final Fantasy oh, yeah. Brave Exvius being a perfect example. Here's Sabin's fighting in your in your party now. Here, here, have two Sabins. Yeah, but I would say I would argue not even as fun as doing like this virtual. For, no, I definitely mean, not. This cyber world or whatever. Yeah, we should have more of that. Why not? People obviously people are old enough to have nostalgia for that sort of thing. Why not do that again? <laughs> I joked about this once on Twitter. It's like, you know, is Konami just going to make Metal Gear games where you just collect like Foxhound and Cyber Souls now? Oh, no. <laughs> That's not a joke. That. That's a tragedy. Mm. Why not? <laughs> Let's reboot Metal Gear. 
<laughs> oh boy. So Virtual Quest was like that. It was a third person sort of action RPG. Um, it resembles, you know, uh, Kingdom Hearts in a way. Not just because of a kid with spiky hair, but yeah. <laughs> The That's graphics start, are not as great either, but I mean, you would look at it and you think, okay, they're kind of going for a Kingdom Hearts thing here. Mm-hmm. But again, the, 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 the Virtuous Souls thing, it's not even, you know, they don't follow through with it. Like you would think, you would imagine maybe from my description, you would think, oh, maybe Akira joins you in your party or whatnot. But no, it's kind of like, it's just kind of like a summon where you like, you learn a special kick from <laughs> Kage or whoever, or Sarah. <laughs> and it's just like, okay, thanks. <laughs> Thanks. Now I disappear. Yeah, I mean it's it's Virtua in in name only, pretty much. Uh, wow! But that was Sega's that was Sega's real Virtua Fighter RPG that they released. See, I knew a, I knew a, a I knew about it, but not that much. Yeah, I mean, again, if you've played Mega Man Battle Network, you can pretty much telegraph what's going to happen in in Virtua Quest. Yeah. Uh, the Japanese name of that I think was called Virtua Fighter Cyber Generation. So they really played up the Virtua Fighter part, but again, didn't really follow through with it. Mm-hmm. And again, it was marketed towards younger kids who probably had no real affinity for Virtua Fighter, a game that, you know, <laughs> that was made popular in the 90s. So Yeah, I remember playing it. God, it, it's so old that I was playing it. I remember playing it in the uh, food court arcade. Yeah. Back when, uh, <laughs> back when arc- arcade existed in food courts. Well, I covered a lot of games. I have one final example. This ties into both Sega and Sonic, in a way. Sonic Team, at least. And this is a real recent game, by the way. This is Puyo Puyo Chronicle. Oh, really? They, were, on, they did a Puyo Puyo RPG? Yeah, this is on 3DS. It only came out a couple years ago in Japan. Oh. Um, now, this is, of course, extra ironic, because this is a, an RPG spinoff of a puzzle game that itself was a puzzle spinoff of an RPG. <laughs> so, through their looking glass now. Yeah. Maybe a lot of people don't know this, but Puyo Puyo was based on uh, Compile's original uh, dungeon RPG called Mado Monogatari. And, uh, I did not know that. that I will admit that. That starred Arl, the girl heroine of the Puyo Puyo games. And they just, you know, spun that off into Puyo Puyo because those, those creatures were kind of like the slimes of that mm-hmm. series. <laughs> and from there, it, basically Puyo Puyo became the bigger thing. Because it, you know, it essentially turned into uh, an eSport, at least in Japan, where it became very competitive of a puzzle Mm -hmm. puzzle game. You know, Sega bought uh, Puyo Puyo and grew the franchise over the past, you know, 15 years or so. And introduced new characters and created more of a cohesive, like, you know, role franchise, what have you. And that led into Puyo Puyo Chronicle, which is a real RPG. Um, Like I said, it's a late 3DS game, but Uh um, it it is actually pretty well-crafted. You might think it it would be kind of cheap just based on the fact that Puyo Puyo is a simple game, so maybe they would get a team that maybe doesn't know what what to do with an RPG, but they did kind of pull it off. Um, It has 3D graphics, so it's like a lot of the characters in Puyo Puyo are all 2D portraits, but they made them 3D in super deformed sort of chibi style. And they, they did it. It has like real cutscenes with like real like camera angles and cinematography in it. It's really it's really kind of it's funny. Actually, that's actually really admirable because I yeah. mean Puyo Puyo, uh, even like uh, Puyo Puyo versus Tetris had like a really fun story and fun characters yeah, going yeah. on. So it's just kind of more in that more like that. They do I think kind of up the medieval sort of aesthetics. So it's kind of like uh, I think Arl gets trapped in like this sort of RPG world and and as you might expect the battles are pretty much Puyo battles. Um, uh huh. But you do fight like random enemies, and it's just like a little Puyo battle, and then <laughs> knock them out, and there you go. Like that sounds said, like a lot of fun. I would kind not to sound like everyone else, but they should port it to Switch. 
because it is one of these these late 3ds games i think a lot of people uh, missed i mean obviously it was japan only but i think even in that side of the world i think maybe a lot of people missed it um, yeah and i mean uh, puyo puyo has a little bit more of a presence nowadays uh, uh, in the yeah. west yeah for sure they're doing a good job uh they're promoting it people are more aware of it <laughs> Yeah, and it is a good game, and the characters are pretty cute. And you know, you mentioned the Puyo Puyo Tetra story mode. That is a pretty adorable story mode, <laughs> even though you might think it wouldn't be like a real um, a real story. But <laughs> no, it's, <laughs> a, it's a story. A yeah, it's, it's really cute. Yeah. Anyway, those are the big examples of uh, games that were not RPGs but became RPGs, or in Puyo Puyo's case, games that were from RPGs that became RPGs that were, yeah, whatever. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you got it. You got it. That's a subtitle. Yeah, whatever. And I tried to stick to games that were, for the most part, recommendable. Uh, poor Sonic did not exactly uh, fit Sonic that bill. Sonic deserved a shout out just because he gave it, he, he gets a, a B for effort. Yeah, I would say so. <laughs> Sonic, I you know, for all of the fans of Sonic, Sonic deserves another go at an RPG, I would say. I would think so. I, I, I would definitely like stand up and say, hey, everyone, give Sonic another chance. Yes, everyone deserves a second chance. <laughs> there you go. Just get a, you know, get a, a really good team on it, maybe. Maybe yeah. this the uh, Sonic Mania team. Oh, boy. There we go. That'd, that'd I would love great. a 16-bit styled Sonic RPG, yeah. Yes. So there's some great series that turned into RPGs, for better or worse. Nadia, did you learn anything? <laughs> I actually learned quite a bit. Again, I tried my best to come up with a topic that would fit both uh, our my bill and yours for this for this show. But yeah, I didn't want to step on anybody's toes and just do a console RPG quest without asking. Oh no, heck, it was fun to go over. Sometimes it's just fun to kind of diverge from the path and uh, you know burn things down when cats here. Although nothing oh, burned, yeah. everything was great. No, no, okay, good. Ah, All right, well. <laughs> If we have no other points of business, perhaps we'll just uh, end it here. How about that? Uh, yeah, I, I guess we should. Um, yeah. I do hope you get to come on the show some other time, though. All right. Well, sure. Yes. Thank you for, for having me. It was, uh, again, I, I'm not entirely sure why Kat asked, but, you know, thank you nonetheless. I mean, oh, it's not it like was we, very nice to have you. It's we don't talk nice to have a lot voices. or anything, but... Yeah, you, you know, well, you're on Twitter. Tell the people where they can find you. I will do that, actually, in our proper wind down that I learned from listening to the show. One of the things... I've been told to say, which is Acts of the Blood God is a U.S. gamer podcast. You can find us at your favorite uh, podcast place. You can follow me on Twitter as RDBAAA. That's just like arcade initials. That was my that was my thought in doing that. Oh, that what that's about? <laughs> yeah, of course. It's either one or the other. I thought it was you screaming at the end of your name. If I get a high score, I'm RDB. If I don't, I'm AAA. <laughs> All right, that's Nadia. Who who are you on Twitter? I am simply Nadia Oxford. That's all, all right. one word. Uh, U.S. Gamer has a newsletter. I, I caught that. I caught that from the last show. Yeah. You should go yes, to usgamer.net and sign up for that somehow. Again, I don't run the place. I don't know. <laughs> there, there, there's, there are prompts to, to put yeah. you in the right direction. All right. Uh, so you shouldn't get lost, but I can't guarantee anything. <laughs> I was surprised that not only is this uh, U.S. Gamer's official RPG podcast, it's your only podcast. Yeah. Uh, we do have people coming up to us asking, hey, what happened to the U.S. Gamer podcast? <laughs> and... Uh, well, unfortunately, we're a very small team, and Kat already spends five hours a week or whatever editing this one, and uh, not to mention when we were all together podcasting on Wednesdays back in the day, basically something would burn down in the news, and uh, we wouldn't be there to cover it. So, <laughs> Yeah, isn't that the fun of doing those weekly, those weekly news cup podcasts? Yeah. Yeah. I can see why you'd want to just focus on something a bit more fun. <laughs> so we're, we're really hoping that like when there is... Um, you know, more staff, we can we can actually get back to the U.S. Gamer Podcast because a lot of people do ask for it. We hear you. But if not, I admire the fact that you guys focus on a genre 
and just do that as your thing. It's 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 interesting. I think it's part of what makes US Gamer unique. So no, oh, thank you very much. You guys do a good job. Um, so yeah, again, thank you, Nadia, for being here and supporting me. Just in case anything did burn oh, down. Thank you for hosting. <laughs> Not news related. Um, yeah, sorry if I domineered too much. No, no, we had fun. Well, we'll check the comments later. And <laughs> <laughs> they'll let us know. We'll see what they thought about me. <laughs> They'll love you. It, it all slides off. Again, I've been doing podcasting a lot. I can understand why I've been asked to do this. It's all. <laughs> Don't worry <laughs> about me. All right. Thank you again, listener, for listening. Uh, again, I've been Ray Barnholt, your substitute teacher for this week. Uh, I believe Kat will be back next time. She will. All right, then. There you go. This has been Axe of the Blood God. Thanks, everybody, for listening. See you next time. Without me, maybe. Bye. Bye. <laughs>